Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart. Today's show is a producer picks bonanza, some of the All of It producers' favorite segments of the year. Up now, team member Maria Malia Agadello has selected our interview with chef, lawyer, and TikTok star Joanne Lee Molinaro, whose debut cookbook is titled The Korean Vegan Cookbook. Here's Malia with more. Hi, Malia here. I still consider myself a pretty recent addition to the All of It team. And back this summer, when I turned from All of It intern to All of It producer, I was trying to think of a realm of media that I could make my beat. And then it hit me cookbooks. I mean, I love cooking, and who doesn't want a good cookbook recommendation? And it was all because of one in particular, the Korean Vegan Cookbook. Having been a fan of the Korean Vegan, aka former trial lawyer turned TikTok star, Joanne Lee Molinaro, I was excited to see her work, which brings heartfelt storytelling and amazing recipes together, and which I had followed for years via Instagram, be published in cookbook form. And that is high praise, because I'm not even a vegan. Back in October, we had Joanne on to talk about the book, and we started out with a little preview of the one-minute videos that have gained her millions of views and follows on TikTok over the last year. Let's take a listen. Dear Daddy, I don't know if you know this, but I don't think we always had the best relationship. I know we didn't fight a lot or anything, but for 35 years, we barely talked. Seems the only time you really noticed me was when I got good grades or played at piano recitals. The sound of your footsteps coming up the stairs or your voice booming across the house would make me nervous or angry. And I figured, well, this is just the way it is and the way it will be. You're a typical Korean dad, and we thus had the typical Korean father-daughter relationship. And I was okay with that. And then I got a divorce. In all the years that I came home crying, because of what he did to me, you never said anything. I'd hear you talking to Amma about it in the bedroom, but you never came out to check in on me, so I thought you didn't care. So when I told you I was going to get a divorce, I thought you'd say the typical Korean dad thing. It's your job to stay with your husband, no matter what. But you didn't say that, no. What you said was congratulations, and it was then that I knew how proud of me you were for doing the hardest thing I've ever done. Thank you for being my dad when I needed it the most. Now, as we cover our producer picks of the year, I wanted to highlight the Korean Vegan Cookbook as my favorite cookbook of 2021. But if you're looking for more official honors, don't worry. She also made the New York Times list of best cookbooks this year, so I'm not the only one singing her praises. I hope you enjoy our interview with Joanne and bring a little Korean vegan cooking into your new year. What was the first recipe you decided to try to veganize? And how did you decide on that one? Oh, wow. That's Well, okay. So this is very in line with what you just shared about why I went vegan. Of course, the first recipe I tried to veganize was chocolate cake because it's my uh, <laughs> husband's favorite dessert. And so that was the first one I veganized. It, you know, it's not Korean, but it's something that we love eating anyway. And it was quite successful. What was, okay, so if that was your first real success, what was your first real flop? Oh, okay. I have to say the flops usually come in baking because, you know, without eggs and without cream, you know, 
science is a little bit of a tricky thing for baking. Um, so I would say whenever I try to make something like a meringue or uh, some of the French pastries that are a little bit more complicated, I think the first time I made madeleines, for mm-hmm. example, um, not great. <laughs> very gummy, very hard, and, you know, not the fluffy, beautiful pastries that you want to see. But I've since kind of developed a technique, it's actually in the cookbook, um, where you get these gorgeous, fluffy, you know, um, beautiful madeleines out of completely vegan products. In the book, you discuss being initially challenged when trying to veganize your favorite Korean dishes. What were some of the most Mm -hmm. challenging ingredients to figure out substitutes for? I would say, hands down, it would be the fish sauce. Um, as, As you may know, fish sauce is very prevalent in Korean cuisine, particularly in kimchi. And I remember, you know, as you were sharing, there was that anxiety that I had when I was like, okay, I'm going to try doing this vegan thing. I'm going to try adopting a plant-based diet. Does that mean that I somehow don't get to eat the foods that I grew up eating? And, you know, for somebody, you know, who is a child of immigrants, food plays such a central role in our identity and our connection to our family and our heritage. And I didn't want to lose that. There's really nothing more iconically Korean from a food perspective than kimchi. And kimchi has fish sauce. And I was very, like, again, anxious. How am I going to create a fish sauce-free kimchi that still tastes exactly the way that I remembered it? So after a lot of trial and error, testing, and kind of working on sort of the ingredients and the flavors, I came up with a you know vegan fishy sauce, mm-hmm. as I like to call it, to add to my kimchi as well as some of the other you know recipes that call for that really pungent, you know, vibrant, um, umami-packed flavor in its uh, recipes. So tell us what's in the fishy sauce. <laughs> the fishy sauce is a blend of a lot of things. And, you know, fish sauce in Korean cuisine, at least, it plays really, you know, three roles, right? Number one, it imparts that incredible flavor. I mean, it's, it's really indescribable. Um, it doesn't actually taste like what it smells like. It, it's just a really intense umami flavor. It also facilitates fermentation, which is why it's utilized in kimchi and many other, you know, pickled dishes in Korean cuisine. And then third, it helps to enhance the flavors of all of the other ingredients in whatever is going into that recipe. So in order to create something that did a lot of heavy lifting, if you think about it like that, I started with soy sauce. And the reason for that is because soy sauce is itself a fermented sauce, right? It's, you know, the fermented soybeans. And it's also going to help with the curing, the pickling, and the fermentation process as well. And then in order to impart that sort of intense flavor, I added lots of different kinds of mushrooms as well as a balsamic vinegar because, you know, balsamic, if you think about it, it hits you right there in that nose area where you're like, wow, that's an intense flavor. And it also gives you a little bit of brightness. Uh, And we also added a tiny little bit of sweetener to make it a little bit sweet. So there's a lot of things that are packed into it, but I do think it does a really good job. My mother, who's like the ultimate judge, Hmm. when she tasted it, she was very, very impressed with it. 
My guest is Joanne Lee Molinaro. The name of her book cookbook is The Korean Vegan Cookbook. And right at the top on page 17, you make this the point that you wanted to share versions of Korean recipes while preserving the details that sometimes get stripped in the rush to bring Korean recipes to the masses. What were some of the things that you wanted to make sure didn't get lost as you were veganizing these recipes so that things stayed true to some of the original preparations? That's such a great question. I'm so glad you asked that because I, again, when I was trying to come up with a kimchi recipe um, that really reminded me of the kimchi jars, you know, that kind of lined our garage uh, when I was growing up and my grandmother would kind of unscrew the lid and you'd get that huge, beautiful whiff of kimchi, you know, and you're like, okay, it's ready to eat, you know, and my mouth is watering just thinking about that memory. And I really wanted to preserve that experience. Um, And so when I was developing the vegan kimchi recipe, I first of all reached out to not just my mother, um, but I reached out to both of my aunts as well. And each woman in our family has a very unique experience with making their kimchi, right? And I wanted really to hear from all of them. My Mo, which is my uncle's wife, she was showing me, this is how you cut the cabbage. You don't just slice through these leaves. You need to actually just slit it and then rip it manually with your hands so that you preserve these gorgeous cabbage leaves in the middle. And then, you know, she's like, when you fold the cabbage at the end, you need to really wrap it like an envelope, like Mm. a package, so that you're preserving the gases and that you're facilitating this beautiful fermentation process. So there's just this unbelievable choreography that goes into this that I really didn't want to get lost. And here's the beautiful thing about it. I asked my aunt, I was like, where did you learn all of this? Because I never, I never saw any of this in a cookbook or any, you know, videos certainly was never described to me this way. And she said, I learned this from my own mother. You know, I would watch her making kimchi and her mother, she died from breast cancer when she was very young. And she told me, I remember this because I love my mother so much And I miss her so much. And every time I think of her, I think of these lessons that she showed me when she was making kimchi or others of her favorite foods. And that's sort of what I want to give to people when they read this book. You know, one of the things we heard a little bit in that clip from TikTok is people love your cooking and love watching you cook, but also hearing these stories. They're like these mini memoirs. (laughs) They really can be very personal. You talked about your divorce, relationship with your family, struggles with body dysmorphia. How did you discover this combination? It's, It's unique. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, there's this phrase that's really popular right now. And, you know, it wasn't popular when I started doing this, but it it really encapsulates what I'm trying to do, which is, if you love my food, you know, maybe you might love my people, right? And that's really the idea behind these stories is, hey, I know, you know, Korean food looks amazing. It tastes amazing. Even these plant-based versions, I guarantee you're going to love it, right? But on top of that, I wanted to use food as sort of a vehicle to maybe open the door to the stories behind the food. Who are the people that are making and eating this food? That's sort of an important discussion to have, I think, these days. Certainly in 2017, which is when I started pairing my family stories with my food on Instagram, that was 
absolutely the intention, was hopefully to get people to maybe try and listen to some of these stories and say, yeah, you know what, I relate to that. Or that sounds like something that I can understand. Because I felt like maybe there was a little bit of a gap between those who were immigrants or children of immigrants and those who may not be as familiar with that story. And then, of course, when I went onto TikTok and I started creating videos, I simply decided, well, I can't use writing anymore. Like, there are no captions on TikTok. So I'll simply take the stories that I was writing elsewhere and put them into voiceovers. And that's really how my TikTok videos came to be what they are today. My guest is Joanne Lee Molinaro. The Korean Vegan Cookbook is her book, her new cookbook. Let's talk about some of the, the sections in the book. Uh, there's a there's an entire section dedicated to bread, which you know is sort of new-ish <laughs> to Korean cooking, mm-hmm. brought brought by missionaries. And you have a recipe for milk bread, which has become you know increasingly popular here in the states with the rise of Korean bakeries. And it's milk, and it's a vegan cookbook. So, what did you do to make milk bread? <laughs> Well, I had to have milk bread in there because <laughs> I was like, I love milk bread. And, you know, milk is one of the easiest substitutes, right, to make in plant-based cuisine. You just add a plant milk. You can add soy milk. You can add oat milk. You can There's like an endless variety of plant milks available. And they're pretty much one-to-one substitutions. For baking, I always prefer using a soy milk or an oat milk because of their higher protein content. And, you know, for bakers out there, you know that protein does help with the structure of whatever it is that you're baking. So that is my preference, but it's not absolutely necessary. And then the other thing is soy milk powder. You know, the the milk powder, that is what gives the milk bread its intense richness. And it's also what allows the milk bread to stay so fluffy and fresh. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but you stick that bread in like a bread box And like a week later, whereas any other bread would be stale and sort of not fun to eat, milk bread stays almost as fresh as it did from that first day. And it's that milk powder um, together with the, you know, sort of starter that you make in the very beginning that allows for that freshness to sustain itself for so long. So it's really just a few tweaks here and there, a little bit of practice. That is one of my more advanced recipes. But when you do it and it comes out of the oven, you will feel like you are a goddess baker. It's amazing. (laughs) I want to talk about uh, banchan side dishes, which, Mm -hmm. first of all, what makes banchan banchan? So banchan is like, kind of like side dishes or garnishes. There's really no direct translation to it. But Mm. if you've been to a Korean restaurant before, you'll notice when you order your main dish, you get like, 10 small, tiny little dishes that sort of surround that main dish. And these are intended to enhance your dining experience. It's about flavors. It's about texture. It's always about creating that perfect bite. So for Korean cuisine, it's, you know, it's never just, you know, eat in kind of siloed partitions where first I'm going to eat my protein, then I'm going to have my, you know, carb, and then I'm going to have my, you know, salad, and then I'll have my dessert. Um, It's more about, Each bite of food should have a little bit of crunchy, a little bit of salty, a little bit of sour, a little bit of soft, and a little bit of hot, a little bit of spicy. That's really the perfect bite. And that's what these little side dishes or garnishes are intended to uh, help to create. The fifth and sixth chapters of the cookbook focus on soups, stews, and noodles. And there's a noodle recipe in the book, which you notice become 
more popular since the release of the movie Parasite, which features an instant mm-hmm. noodle version of the dish. It's the one you're making in, in that first viral TikTok video and the one that I played earlier when you speak up about your relationship with your father. I'm going to ask you to say its name. And then... <laughs> <laughs> It's called jajangmyeon. <laughs> Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about this dish and why it's important to you. Well, jajangmyeon is actually, um, you know, black bean noodles. That's, you know, when I was growing up, I would call it the black bean spaghetti. <laughs> That's what we used to call it. Um, and a lot of, you know, Korean American kids, they probably still do call it that black bean spaghetti. Um, and it's absolutely like the cheat meal of all like Korean K-pop stars, you know, because it's just gloriously delicious. And, you know, the sauce, it's like a thick gravy. And, if you know, it's actually the cover of my cookbook. And, you know, it's kind of glistening with, you know, the, you know, the rich oils and the rich flavors and um, the noodles get completely drenched in this incredible, like hearty, thick sauce. And so it's just such a good, um, you know, kind of window into my childhood. Every time my dad was celebrating a birthday or it was my birthday or we had a big celebration, we would go to the Chinese Korean eatery because it is kind of a Chinese Korean dish. It's not just Korean dish or just Chinese dish. Um, we would go to the restaurant and we would order these noodles. I have so many memories with my dad and my little brother playing hooky from church mm. <laughs> and going, going to the Chinese restaurant to get these noodles. And so for me, it's a very kind of personal dish. When I made the plant-based version for my father, as you can imagine, I was very nervous to share it with him because he's been eating it his whole life. It's one of his favorite dishes. And after he literally like licks the sauce off the bowl, he puts his chopsticks down. He says, you should open a restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, yeah. So there's a lot of memories wrapped in that one, but ultimately it is the dish that was featured in Parasite and it is fantastic. That was my conversation with Joanne Lee Molinaro about her debut cookbook, The Korean Vegan Cookbook. Team member Maria Malia Agadello chose that segment for today's producer picks.